Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. It's no secret that Arizona is an attractive place for technology companies to call home, but with more technology companies being founded locally and relocating to Arizona from out of state, how can we ensure we have enough qualified technology talent to fill highly technical positions? Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm Karen Nowicki, president and owner of Phoenix Business Radio X, and I'm very excited to welcome you back to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. AZ TechCast discusses the critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. So please join me in giving a warm welcome to today's featured guests. I want to start with Claire since she's sitting right next to me. Welcome, Claire. Hi. Great to have you. Claire Conway is Arizona STEM Ecosystem Programs Manager at SciTech Institute. Also with us today, we have Julie Bonner, Director of Communications with Freefall Aerospace. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. Happy to be here. And Dr. Betsy Hartgrove, Superintendent of the Avondale Elementary School District. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And last but certainly not least, we also have Steve, Steve Zalstra, President and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. Welcome, Steve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. We are excited around this conversation and exploring these topics with our experts. These important conversation around STEM education and building the pipeline of technology talent for today and tomorrow's workforce needs. We have a lot of interesting content to cover, so we're going to dive right in. I'm going to start by asking each of you to share briefly about yourselves and the role that your organization plays within the Arizona's technology ecosystem. And Julie, if you wouldn't mind starting first, we'd greatly appreciate it. Sure. So, um, like you mentioned, I work at Freefall Aerospace. We're right here in Arizona and we're developing antennas for space and ground. So moving data more efficiently. We're excited to talk more about the type of STEM talent that companies like ours are looking for. Good. Who's next? So I am the superintendent of Avondale Elementary School District just on the west side of downtown Phoenix. And Our district feels really strongly about making sure that our children know that their future is right here, very specifically in the West Valley, but certainly in Arizona. And if we are going to do that for our own children, I want to make sure that any any child, any family from around the world would see Arizona as a place to be for building their future and being part of the amazing work that is happening in technology and innovation today. And in my role at SciTech Institute, we're, we're a STEM education awareness and outreach nonprofit based in Arizona, and we're actually a sister organization of the Arizona Technology Council. Uh, in my role, I'm all about building our STEM network and connecting different organizations in STEM around the state. And Steve Zalstra, introduce yourself and your organization as well, please. 
Yeah, so I'm Steve Zylstra, President and CEO of both the Arizona Technology Council and the SciTech Institute. I'm going to have to change my background uh, for this show, for sure. At any rate, the Tech Council is a statewide uh, organization. We have offices in Phoenix and Tucson. We do public policy advocacy on behalf of the tech industry at the state and federal level. We do over 100 events a year. We have a myriad of publications. And we negotiate lower cost products and services for our members. So comprehensive trade association business model for tech. Very good. I saw Kelly Green on the way in today. Do I understand there's a Arizona Technology Council after hours here today? Am I right? Is that, yeah, at MEC 6. I didn't, know, I didn't yeah. know that. I love that. I'm going to have to see if I can stick around. We're moving the studio today. I, I think Steve and Claire and Bianca are aware of that, but we were, I brought some ch clothes to change into, and then we're moving location. We'll be right next to the SciTech Institute team downstairs in the other building, so we're super excited about oh. that. Well, we are going to jump into our very first question. As I mentioned in the beginning of our show, there are a growing number of technology companies that are now calling Arizona home. From your perspective and the roles that you play, why do you think Arizona is an attractive place to do business? I'll uh, start there. So Freefall Aerospace is located in Tucson, Arizona, mainly because it's a spinoff company from the University of Arizona. So there's amazing talent here. And also our co-founder, Chris Walker, is still a professor of astronomy at the U of A. And then our CEO, Doug Stetson, was at NASA JPL for almost 30 years. And he could have, he actually still lives in California, but decided to headquarter Freefall in Tucson because of our ties in with the university and because of the talent. And also, of course, the, the greater, the better cost of living in Tucson versus, let's say, Pasadena, California. So I think, Julie, you're spot on relative to the economy and the, um, entire state being very welcoming and wanting to bring in multiple organizations and providing opportunities for them. I absolutely love what you said about talent because there is unending talent here in Arizona. I can speak from the pre-K eight spectrum and how incredible our children are and absolutely brilliant. I had no idea that your CEO was with JPL. We actually have a former board member, former alum of Avondale Elementary School District, who's currently at JPL oh, wow. and envisioned himself there while he was in our classrooms here. So there is just, there, there's desire, there's excitement. We have innovative uh, colleges and universities and also certainly uh, a myriad of companies who are willing to lean in and be a part of this along with organizations such as Arizona SciTech and the Arizona Tech Council. So. It's just such a right playing field for all of us to come together and really start planning and envisioning the future. Absolutely. I would totally just echo what both of you just said, that it really is a place with incredible educational opportunities and a great culture of innovation. You know, there's great stuff happening in our schools, in our higher ed institutions, and there's really just an awesome culture of collaboration and continuing to build on what's here. That's you mentioned keeping that talent here and, and that K-8 role that you serve I love that that's a commitment because Steve and I talk about that a lot on many of our other shows. And I'm, I'm a former teacher in Kyrene School District, former assistant principal, and then worked for Pinnacle Education as a VP of schools. Keeping the kids here and getting them excited from the very beginning and prepared for STEM professions or, or again, trades, whatever they're going to do, we, we can do a better job. And, and we can do it collaboratively as well. So I love that you said that let's keep them here. We've, we have plenty of work, work opportunities here. See, what were you going to add or ask? 
I was just going to add that there's a number of other reasons uh, Arizona is attractive. Um, we have a really good quality of life. We have a relatively low cost of living when you compare us to any of the other tech meccas in the country. Even though housing has uh, gone up relative to some of those other places, it's still not. Um, it's more moderate. And um, we have a very good business climate, low tax environment, moderate regulatory environment, and all of those things entice companies uh, to move here in addition to the great talent that's uh, available in this market. And with that, I want to move to a discussion about uh, talent. Um, the tech sector is facing a uh, significant dearth of talent right now. Almost everyone is hiring, uh, whether it's aerospace and defense, semiconductors, biotech, uh, optics and photonics, every tech sector is hiring uh, like crazy and they can't find uh, enough talent here in Arizona. And I'm going to ask our experts, why do you think that is? I think certainly one factor is the opportunities that are available here have been growing and changing so quickly that students don't even know what to look for when they're graduating high school, when they're going on to higher ed or entering the workforce. You know, the, the options that are here now are not the options that were here when, say, their parents were entering the workforce or even when their teachers started their positions. And so I think just raising awareness of what is here and what students have access to, even right in their own local communities, is really a big factor there, showing them that these opportunities are here, they're accessible, they're able to get the training for them, and they're really, uh, you know, valuable. Uh, they're great jobs to have. Claire, I... I absolutely agree with you. I, I think I would add that in the education world, some of the challenges, and, and we've had conversations probably over the past 10 years around the challenges of having actual educators who are qualified and certificated to be able to teach uh, computer science and programming, things such as that in the classroom now. And, and I will tell you as a pre-K to eighth grade educator in, in an organization, we have a lot more bandwidth and a lot more um, Oh, just opportunities to be able to do it with people who don't have to have that exact certificate, but finding educators who have it for those high school opportunities for the continuation of our children who in Avondale, every one of our kids takes coding and um, computer science literally every day, kindergarten through eighth grade. And then what happens is, is that because the high schools have had great difficulty in finding educators, that next step sometimes isn't quite as smooth. And, and so I think that those challenges over the past 10 years have shifted and have gotten a thousand times better. I can speak specifically in our area. Our feeder high school has just been phenomenal in that area and making sure that we have that continued pathway. However, that's not everywhere. And so as that gets filled in, I think that the tech companies are going to find a more highly qualified and and students who are literally in high school, or actually in our case, in elementary school, already envision themselves in that world. You guys are bringing up a, a big piece, which is building awareness about what's here. And in Tucson, you know, I've um, created a panel about the space community that's right here in Arizona. And so it's like bringing awareness. And part of um, what I do with Freefall is I work with um, organizations like Chi Tech, so exposing a really cool tech and companies and industries to 
um, females in high school. And then we've had students shadow um, that are interested in, in careers in the aerospace community. So one, um, which I think employers can do is um, just, uh, I guess, getting out in the community a little bit and sharing what kind of things are really right here. I think that's a big piece. And the other part of uh, hiring is, is it is very competitive. And for smaller companies like ours, which is 10 people, um, sometimes we're competing against really large companies in Arizona. And so um, being creative about what, what can we offer and maybe not, it's, it's not the same as some of these larger companies, but maybe there's more flexibility. Also um, for those engineers that wanna work on really innovative product, products and projects, being able to really dig in and make a big difference and not have sort of that layers of maybe politics or things that can slow them down. So. There's a lot of uh, interesting smaller companies like ours in Arizona that are looking to hire talent, but sometimes really have to compete against some, some of these larger employers. I'd just like to add both Betsy and Claire mentioned something that you may not know about. The um, Pipeline AZ has recently contracted with the Arizona Department of Education First of all, Pipeline Easy is a platform that brings talent together with opportunity. And it's the most comprehensive site that I've ever seen. And it's focused exclusively on Arizona. And uh, now ADE has a contract so that every child in public education in Arizona will have access to the career exploration elements of Pipeline AZ. And that contract was signed maybe back in May or so. So that that's a cool opportunity for kids to get access to know what's going on here and what kind of jobs are available. And, and the site also speaks to how they need to prepare themselves if they want this career option or, or that career option. And then Betsy, I was uh, interacting with Kathy Hoffman the other day and we were talking computer science and she told me that uh, they've hired a new uh, computer science coordinator at ADE, and that uh, they are working uh, for 2023 on a CS plan. And as you know, we have standards, but there's really hasn't been a plan. And uh, I'm hopeful uh, that ultimately we get to the position Broward County, Florida is in, where computer science is taught in K through 12, every mm -hmm. single grade. Uh, there's some level of computer science talk. So we'll look forward to that in the future someday. Betsy, I'm curious, uh, and anybody else can chime in as well. When Steve and I are talking a lot about these topics and bringing you know, awareness to the incredible tech, tech ecosystem, there's always this beautiful sense, or at least that I've witnessed, synergy and collaboration and helping each other. It's been a while since I've been in the school district. I'm still a parent in, in uh, the, now the Tempe Union High School District. But do you find like like what you're what you shared that you're creating for your students and and how you've embraced coding and and just this aspect around technology when you're attending superintendent meetings or that sort of thing are you are people willing to have these conversations and and share ideas is it is it collaborative in that nature? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I I would say that there are multiple opportunities to share the work that we're doing and the um, kind of the progress that we're making in that area and in in various spaces and so. The collaboration is very, very much alive. I think what ends up happening is that once that 
collaborative piece is done and maybe we go visit one another's sites or have that follow-up meeting, the next set of circumstances comes forward that says, okay, divert attention to this. And, and not that it falls to the wayside, but it may not be the next thing or the next priority. And so I think what is critically important, it goes back to what Steve just said, you know, we have organizations and systems that are naturally supporting the work that we do in Arizona to be able to move things forward, whether that's through ADE and 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 putting a focus, a real focus on computer science, pre-K to 12, or whether it's the uh, adopting and providing resources for education to be able to, to have children explore those pathways. And I'm certainly hoping it's, that happens in third, fourth, and fifth grade, because we want our children to start envisioning themselves and and maybe not exactly what they're going to be doing, but to be able to say, in order to move in a direction or a general direction, these are the things that I need to have in place. Because we all know that the decisions we make right now impact what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And providing those, those opportunities for kids to envision themselves, I think is incredibly important. I love what Julie said a minute ago around the girls in space. I know I'm not quoting that right, Julie, but I'm thinking as you're talking, how do we get the, to the West Valley? We need you up in, in Phoenix and even a little bit further west in Avondale because we need our children, our, our young ladies to be able to see themselves in any opportunity that they want, as well as to be able to see that pathway, that natural pathway that's going to happen. So yes, I think I think the desire is there. I think the interest is there. I think people genuinely, just like we are today, are leaning in and thinking, wow, this is, this is incredible, all of the possibilities. What we need to do is to continue to find those avenues to have these conversations continue. Should we take a moment for a uh, commercial break? Indeed, we should. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm getting the, the eye from our producer, Daryl, over here as well. <laughs> I want to make sure we have an opportunity to thank Arizona Commerce Authority, AZ TechCast 2022 Innovation Sponsor. Let's hear a word from them. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities, to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. If we had Arizona Commerce Authority, that 
particular commercial pipe into every PA system at the beginning of every school day, I think people would want to stay here, wouldn't they? <laughs> Let's start doing that. Uh, before our break, we were talking, of course, about the pipeline, and I just want to make sure that we rounded out that conversation. How do we reframe the discussion around workforce pipelines to focus on students and their development? We've talked a little bit about, about it. I know Julie and Betsy both had something to offer, but is there anything else we want to, to highlight before we move on to the next question? Yeah, I think this is a conversation that I've heard in a couple of different spaces around uh, workforce. A specific, I think specifically when we're talking about K-12, shifting the language from uh, talking about a pipeline to talking more about career pathways can be a really helpful frame of mind to be in. I think pipeline sometimes suggests that it's really going to be a direct path straight from K-12 into career, uh, and it doesn't really account for all the twists and turns that can happen along the way. You know, I think if we're talking about career pathways, it really helps us uh, think about it a little bit more personally. It helps us visualize all of the other factors that go into career development rather than, you know, ushering students from K-12 right into the thing that they're going to do next. I think it, it gives a little more room to show it doesn't always flow exactly that way. It gives a little more room for kind of mid-career shifts as well. And I've, I've heard this come up a couple of times in conversation, like when we're, when we're thinking K-12, talking more about those pathways and opportunities rather than just the pipeline. I think it's, it's still a helpful uh, kind of turn of phrase to, to focus on when we're talking about workforce in general. But in K-12, I think it can be an interesting way to look at it. So, Claire, can I just add to that? Because I think something that occurs to me is that as we have the standards that obviously need to be taught, need to be mastered, demonstrating proficiency, et cetera, how can we take the standards that we have and apply them to, you know, we always want relevancy, right? But apply them to what's happening in that very large building that was just built. And there's a thousand cars out there every day. And we're not quite sure what's going on inside that building, right? Because it's happening so fast. Literally, if you drive around, buildings are popping up. In, entire industries have changed out here, specifically where we are in the West Valley. And I think, my goodness, do we really know what is needed and necessary? To go back to the other question of making sure that the workforce is ready to be able to walk in and be successful in, in the high-tech jobs that are happening out there. How, how do we know that without getting into that? So thinking about the idea of maybe some externships and having our educators spending some time with with the organizations and being able to say, oh, okay, I see that when I teach A, B, or C standards, that actually translates beautifully to what the expectation is and, and how to meet the workforce expectation to prepare our children for that limitless, limitless future that they so deserve right here in Arizona. So that just kind of makes me wonder, right? It gives me a wonderment around that. It's interesting you share that when I was an assistant principal for Kyrene, it was the first school partnership with an, a corporation, happened to be Intel, of course, in the, on the Chandler campus. And for two summers, I had a paid internship at Intel. And, and Betsy, that's exactly what I experienced. I had always thought I'd be a teacher. I never thought I'd be anything but a teacher. And going into Intel and having an idea of the massive impact that that one company had on so many different businesses and industries and uh, was was very important for me then to come back into the building with our K-6 kids and make sure that we are getting employees, engineers to come in and volunteer and get over to the, the areas of Intel that we could go in and take tours on. So if we could continue to do more of those 
kind of like an apprenticeship, but, you know, just making sure that we have that constant stream of communication, which is what so beautifully Steve and Dr. Bobendor and Kelly and Claire have created through the SciTech Institute. Thank goodness we have those organizations to, again, bring everybody together. Absolutely. I think you probably all know that the tech industry has had a struggle with both hiring women and folks from diverse backgrounds. Can you speak to how institutions from K through post-secondary are working to better prepare students uh, from diverse backgrounds uh, for a STEM career? So specifically in Avondale, as I shared, our, and, and we do serve a highly diverse community, every child kindergarten through eighth grade participates in coding and computer science as one of their in-school opportunities for learning. I, I do believe that it's 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 an inequity to have it only offered after school or on the weekends because some of our children can't stay after school or can't come back on the weekends. And we want to make sure that every child has that opportunity. And I believe it's a great equalizer. Truly, I can say this standing next to a fifth grader who is teaching me how to code and finally looked at me and the, the, the program he was using had something to do with driving. He goes, do you even have a driver's license? Because I it, it was just foreign to me the approach that he was taking. And so it's it's an amazing equalizer to be able to participate in something that is absolutely unknown to everyone. So children can walk in on a very level and even playing field and be able to self-pace and, and grow and develop and see themselves as learners, as problem solvers, as critical thinkers, which then builds confidence, not just in that class, but quite frankly, everywhere. But to go back to what Karen said, the SciTech Council uh, in the work that you guys have done to be able to marry what's happening in the K-12 spectrum and what's happening in, in the organizations that surround all of us and where we can envision our future for our children, that is where the magic is and, and continue to grow and develop that. I'm ever, for, ever, ever grateful to the work that's been established. I have to brag a little bit. Um, through the efforts of the SciTech Institute, uh, through our CSO program and the Avondale School District with the support of Superintendent Hargrove, one of our sixth grade chief science officers became the president of the United States Kids Science Advisor. Uh, what was that about five years ago, six yeah. years ago now? How cool does, is that? Uh, it doesn't get any better. Uh, we have pictures of him in the White House with uh, President Obama. It's uh, pretty cool. I think another key thing when we're talking about sort of diversity in uh, STEM education and in the workforce is representation when we're choosing to talk to students about career opportunities. You know, if you're going to bring in a panel to come talk about their STEM careers, do the people on the panel reflect the diversity of the students in the classroom? Can they see themselves in these roles? When we're talking about, uh, you know, inventions or we're talking about the history of computer science, are we using examples from history of people from diverse backgrounds? Are we highlighting the contributions of diverse scientists? I think it's really important that students can see themselves reflected in the work that's being done now and the work that's been done in the past I think so often we tend to reuse the same examples over and over when we're talking about, you know, the history of science or of STEM in general. And I think broadening that scope a little bit more, there are so many examples of uh, scientists from all different backgrounds who contributed major things to where we are now and making sure that we show off and really celebrate all of those contributions as well. 
is really important and showing students that they can also be a part of it. I come from a, a unique background sort of into the tech space. So my background is as an artist and then graphic designer and now, you know, director of communications um, for a tech startup that's dealing with space. So I also want to tell the story to students out there that you, you um, can come from different angles into the tech industry. It doesn't always have to be like you're obsessed with math and that's the main thing and that's how you get there. Um, there's just a lot of opportunities, especially in the future of space and aerospace. Um, you need a lot of creative thinkers and um, people coming from other approaches uh, in these exciting industries. So I just wanted to uh, share that too. Thanks. Yeah, technology companies are like any company, you know, they have accountants, they have people in marketing and sales and business development and not all engineers and scientists. So that's a great point, Julie. And every and every business is a technology business. <laughs> that's the other thing. Anymore, that's certainly. Anymore. Uh, it's, yeah. It certainly is. If you're going to stay alive and thrive and and be, uh, be in business for yourself, you have to be a technology company. Yeah. So let, let's uh, talk to some of the limitations that particularly we see in K through post-secondary institutions. What are some of the barriers, the challenges that are faced to uh, getting kids into STEM? I mean, we talk about uh, a teacher shortage. Uh, we're always talking about uh, a funding shortage and so on. What are the critical barriers that you see in uh, getting more kids into STEM? You forgot about time shortage. Time, there you <laughs> <Right>. go. <laughs> time, time is, I, I think probably time is the biggest challenge facing really probably any one of us in our roles and responsibilities, making sure that A, B, and C is already met. And then how do you add one, two, and three onto that? And, and what, what how, how do you balance that plate? I think that challenges on both sides and finding the right person. So the right person, like Julie clearly is the right person at Free Fall Aerospace, right? And, and if I, it, making sure that the educator, so to Karen's point, we had this great opportunity with Intel, the right people had to be at the table who saw that vision and were able to say, we're going to create the time and space to make this happen. That's what I would say. Would you also think uh, hands-on opportunities? Because I know uh, Kelly Green and I both serve on Treasures for Teachers on the board with Treasures for Teachers, Barbara Blalick. And obviously that's our biggest emphasis is not only sustainability and, and making sure that materials are finding another place and use more importantly, or equally importantly, getting those in front of the kids. Do you find that that's a challenge? It goes back to funding and, and that sort of thing as well. But Betsy, would you speak to that? Is there, we need to give kids an opportunity to touch, feel, experience, right? Absolutely. I, I think that's an excellent point. And any opportunity to be able to put items and objects and resources in the hands of kids and have them be able to, to discover and to be able to iterate and innovate with those sets of circumstances. So it's not just the, here's the lesson and, and this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to show you how to do it. Then you're going to do it with your friends and then you're going to do it independently. This is really about opening up opportunities to say, what do you think about that? Like, in fact, I don't even want to see anything close to what we had, I want you to envision what it possibly could be. And then given space and room and time to be able to work collaboratively, because I think that's a big piece of it as well, to be able to come up with something new and innovative. 
uh, I through our chief science officers program, we we've had so many opportunities to sit and allow them to say, here's a problem of practice. What would you do with it? And I will tell you, unlimited possibilities come out of that because it, because the filters aren't there, because the barriers aren't there, because the oh we couldn't possibly do that because of X, Y, or Z. It, it's just this free flowing time of ideas that that then actually, quite frankly, could be actioned. And so finding that time and space to be able to stop and listen, I think, is, is incredibly important. And exactly what you said, given additional resources, uh, that actual hands-on opportunity, I absolutely would be invaluable. Claire, Julie, anything else you want to say about barriers and challenges and getting kids into STEM? Yeah, I think just building that culture of, uh, you know, appreciation around STEM, making sure that the whole team is on board with this idea that STEM is valuable and that it's important for students to be working on and accessible. And that's, you know, at all levels, that's educators, administrators, even among students, making sure that they see the importance of STEM in their own lives and see how they can get involved. The private sector is a critical partner. You, uh, some of you alluded to that uh, earlier. How do they play a role with educational institutions and in help in helping to shape both the curriculum and program offerings? Uh, I know that a big piece of what we talked about is introducing students to STEM-related careers. I mentioned we had worked with like an average of 500 students per year at that SheTech event. But there's also, um, it's called the Pima County School Superintendents Engineering Career Connect event. <laughs> and so there's like these really great opportunities though, connecting private companies like ours with students um, and exposing them to all the cool things we're doing. I also think being flexible and collaborative, which that came up earlier about collaboration, I feel like there's so many ways to do that. A big thing at Freefall is uh, we're collaborating obviously with the U of A for the satellite that's going in space later this year. And it's called CatSat from the Wildcats. And so it's collaboration between NASA, um, the U of A, Freefall, Rincon Research, which is also located in Tucson. Um, and it's an opportunity for these students to get involved with this, um, this uh, CubeSat, this antenna that's going up in space this year. So it's just exciting for everyone to come together. And it's a win-win for companies like ours and the students to be um, able to do this kind of thing. And then we're going to all get to see this happen together. So those are, um, I think, some ways that there could be even more collaborations like that. By the way, Julie, Mary Bailey, who's the CEO of RenCon, is actually on the board of the Arizona Technology Council. And she's also a tennis player, like just like me. <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah. example. Taking, you know, and I think Betsy alluded to this, listening for and paying attention to things that are happening in our world and in our backyard and bringing that to the kids' attention. You mentioned that with all the building that's going on in your area. The more we can do that and, and reach out to our local businesses and invite them into the school to have those conversations is powerful. Betsy and, and Claire, what else would you add to that? I think there are just so many different ways that the private sector can get involved, whether it's, you know, a little bit of funding really goes a long way. If you're willing to sponsor even, you know, a STEM club after school, sponsor transportation to get that club to an event that they want to go to or a competition that they're trying to get to, uh, being a mentor or a coach, uh, 
you know, getting involved, being a guest speaker, talking about your career. Um, and we actually, I want to put in a little plug, we're hosting an event uh, next Wednesday, actually, on the 31st, that is all about how to get involved in the STEM community without writing a check. So if you're interested in any of the businesses out there who might want to get involved, we're going to bring on a couple of different companies from, you know, from Arizona, all different sizes to come talk about the ways that they're engaging in the STEM community and the ways that they're working with schools to really make an impact. And we'll have a couple little breakout sessions too, if you want to learn more. So I that's, for, that's a virtual it event. It is. It's going to be virtual. Um, I actually, I have the bit.ly written down bit.ly slash STEM biz AZ. If you're interested in attending that. I think the only other thing I would say relative to what both Julie and Claire are talking about, it, it doesn't have to be a huge check. It doesn't have to be one organization coming on and taking on anything. It literally is the, the, the true powers in collaboration and having everyone come to the table with their piece of it to be able to elevate the entire opportunity and experience for children and, quite frankly, the collateral benefits for the organization and the adults. Let me add that at least in my observation, the most powerful thing that a corporation or company can do is provide a work-based experience for students. Um, and uh, we've talked about some of these externships, internships, apprenticeships, company tours. Betsy made the, uh, the comment that, uh, you know, there's these big buildings and all those cars, but what do they do in there? Uh, it's always uh, enlightening and intriguing for uh, students to go into those buildings and see what's going on in there. And there's some really cool stuff happening here in Arizona. And that does provide motivation, uh, inspiration for considering STEM. And what's cool about like internships and externships is it gets, gives the company an opportunity to sort of test drive the student and vice versa. You know, is that company have the kind of culture I want to uh, I want to work in, and um, uh, does that student have the capabilities to be able to make a difference in our company? So I think work-based experience work-based experiences are really critical, and we're involved in a whole bunch of programs that are designed to um, help our members achieve just that. Can we spend a little time on that note? talking about some of those partnerships that any of you might be involved in. I know we've hi highlighted a few, but how are we leveraging public-private partnerships to get those students connected to STEM opportunities? What what all are, and we can throw out some names too to give them a little shout out. I'll, um, I'll I have some written down because I don't want to butcher all <laughs> of the ones that we kind of work with, but one of them was we're a proud partner of the Tucson Youth Leadership Academy, and that's a partnership between Greater Tucson Leadership and the Pima County School Superintendent's Office, where we host like job shadowing students, grades nine through 12, um, who are interested like in this field. Um, other things we've done is some virtual sessions. So I've had like an engineer on my team speak with 20 to 30 teachers or counselors across the middle schools, high schools, um, talking about kind of these experiences. On a, a fun personal note, I love volunteering for SARSAF and judging like the science fair competitions. And I've had such a blast like this past year, I think I helped out with the third graders. And um, I just like uh, seeing what's coming up and just it's exciting all the bright minds that are coming up through the, the schools here. So specific to Avondale, and this kind of goes back to what Steve was saying, having 
opportunities for children to be in the workforce and to do apprenticeships, internships, whatever the opportunity might be. Often organizations will say, oh, 12, 13, 14 year olds. No, that'll be rough. However, having them get in there and start seeing themselves in the future there is hugely beneficial. The and around that is what actually happens is family members of children who have an opportunity to go in and explore and see and get excited about what's happening in and around them often results in family members becoming employed by uh, the, the organizations that are new and coming into the area. But, but our major partnership, it actually are sitting right here with Clarence Steve with the SciTech Council and, and the Technology Council and, and truly getting our chief science officers out in front and in front of multiple organizations across the state of Arizona and, and having a seat at that table is pretty incredible. And it's not just once a quarter or once a year. It's over and over again with many different avenues for entry. It's it's so multifaceted. So for our listeners who are not involved yet in AZ Tech Council or SciTech Institute, I you encur- really That's encourage cool. you to do that. Yeah, this this is the place where, where technology is happening and it is the, the tech ecosystem for sure. Claire, anything to add or Steve for that matter? Go ahead, Claire. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to an organization uh, or project that I've gotten to learn a lot more about in the last couple of weeks, Tempe Union District. They are developing an innovation center uh, where students can come work on projects. They're actual projects provided by real companies. They're trying to solve real issues uh, at these organizations. They're put into teams and they get to work through these different challenges. Uh, They work with a a representative of the company over the course of the semester to really identify key issues, figure out what needs to be a part of their solution. Uh, and they deliver this uh, answer to this challenge the company's facing. And uh, that it's a really great opportunity for them to explore what it's like to work in a team, explore the real problems that they might have to work on later in their career. Uh, and they actually get to earn credits along the way too. The students are responsible for managing each of the learning objectives they need to hit in order to get credits. And they have a really incredible team putting this program together. It's a super exciting collaboration. I haven't seen anything quite like it uh, in terms of bringing the private sector into uh, actually into the high schools and getting students involved in real work. Cool. Well, a couple of things I want to mention. The Tech Council is a, a subrecipient to a U.S. Department of Labor grant that was won by ASU called AZ Next, and it focuses on bringing underserved students into uh, advanced manufacturing or manufacturing 4.0 and IT and cyber. There's an apprenticeship component to it. Uh, It's a $10 million multi-year grant and uh, ASU is being incredibly flexible in the multiple ways that uh, kids can take advantage of this program. And our role is to uh, work with the private sector to provide these work-based experiences we've talked about. And then we're also a subrecipient to a National Science Foundation grant that ASU won. The program's called All Rise, which means accelerating Latinx representation in STEM education. Also a $10 million grant uh, and very, very exciting uh, opportunities. Some may not know that we uh, also actually run the Arizona High School and Middle School Science Bowl. Uh, It's sanctioned by the U.S. Department of Energy, and our winners go on to the National Science Bowl. Julie uh, mentioned SARSEF. I'm actually the chair and have been forever, I think, 
of ASEF, which is the Arizona Science and Engineering Fair. And it's a, you know, this is the science fair that so many kids participated in as, as uh, students and uh, many go on to become scientists, engineers, and some even Nobel laureates. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to take a break uh, for just another moment to thank our 2022 Tech Advocate sponsor, JDH Insights. Let's hear from them. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2022 Tech Advocate sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. We have kind of been hovering over this conversation, uh, but I do want to ask the question to see if we've, we've missed anything. Why is it so important to connect the worlds of education and, and industry in preparing students for the future workforce needs? Is there anything we haven't scratched the surface on yet? I think one thing is highlighting the importance of those soft skills, especially in careers uh, that revolve around tech. You know, the if we're focusing on technical skills, by the time these students graduate and start working, it's going to be totally different with the kinds of things that they're going to need to be able to do, even company to company. And so I think really helping students learn how to find information, use information, think critically, problem solve, work in teams and collaborate. I think developing those skills and getting employers into the classroom, showing them that those are really just as important as some of the technical skills you might be learning is a really critical part of that, that connection. That's so important, Clara. The myriad of workforce groups and boards I've been involved in over the years, that's always one of the top issues that employers mention, right? These students have to be employable. They've got to come to work on time. They've got to have social skills. They've got to have writing and communication skills, you know, other soft skills that are critical to their success in the corporate environment. So that's an excellent point. One of the things that I remember Kelly Green teaching me when I first became familiar with SciTech Institute as we started to do STEM Unplugged uh, podcast was the very thing that you're talking about. My assumption was that the CSOs were those, you know, uber smart kids who were already excited about STEM and that's just the lane that they were in. And Kelly's like, yes, and (laughs) we're really looking for any kiddo who's interested. And and if they come with the skill set and having the math chops and the science chops, excellent. We're going to work on the soft skills. If they have the soft skills and the, you know, the language arts and the communication, we're going to help create somebody who's interested in science and math. So um, love that that's the perspective that you all have taken because it's very holistic and very broad. It's not just, you know, obviously wearing blinders. There's nothing more exciting than watching a CSO that is comes into the program very shy and demure become a very powerful public speaker. It's just amazing the transition and uh, how important isn't that in the private sector. And you have story after story, oh, yeah. example and example <laughs> of kids. For, oh, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. Even, you know, just in a short period of time there, you know, I've only been at SciTech for a little over a year and a half now. And there are students who, you know, I remember in the first of the leadership training institutes I was at did not speak the entire time that we were there. <laughs> they they would maybe say a word or two if they were called on. They were really shy and nervous. 
not wanting to talk in front of even their peers and seeing them be able to present to big audience, present to mayors around Arizona. We had a a conversation recently with the Arizona Mayor's Education Roundtable, and we brought a couple of CSOs to that conversation and seeing them talk confidently about the value of what they do and the importance of STEM. It was just really inspiring to see their growth in, you know, being someone who maybe hides behind their parent when we're trying to talk to them or isn't willing to raise their hand in class to being that confident, able able to share their story in that kind of an environment. So if I might just uh, share an experience that we had a couple of years ago, bringing some chief science officers down to one of the meetings at the Arizona Science Center. And we're driving down in the typical conversation of 13 and 14 year olds in the back. Let's talk about what we're doing on the weekend. Let's talk about lunch. Let's talk about, you know, homework, that type of thing. And, and as we're walking into the science center, one of, one of our students turns and said, well, who are we meeting with? And I'm like, I'm not entirely sure. I'm literally just the driver. And let's find out when we go in there. And, and as we walked in, you could see the transformation these chief science officers who went from a very typical 13, 14 year old conversation, they're, they're walking taller, their shoulders are back, they're making eye contact, they're shaking hands. And now they're sitting at a panel with chief executives of um, organizations from across the nation and literally standing their own, asking amazing questions, leaning in, um, unbelievable responses and, and not blinking an eye and literally walking out, handing their cards out. And as we're walking back to the parking garage, you watch them transform back to the 13, 14 year old. And it gives me goosebumps because that was a moment of they have found their voice. They know who they are. They have the confidence to stand anywhere. And that happens through opportunities that we've just described. Now you know why Claire loves what she does. Absolutely. (laughs) It's interesting you share that, Betsy, because, of course, I I have uh, my kiddo as an athlete. So I see that transformation in him as an athlete. We would see that in someone who plays an instrument on stage or maybe somebody who's in the arts. I've I've never looked at through that lens before, but that is exactly what SciTech Institute is providing for these kids. That's exactly it. It's invaluable. Fantastic. What do you think some steps that educators could take along with the private sector to really continue strengthening our STEM ecosystem here in Arizona. We talk about the ecosystem all the time. There's regional aspects of it. There's statewide aspects of it, but what should we be doing to further strengthen it? I think one big thing you can do is get involved in your local STEM network. Uh, SciTech Institute is building out the Arizona STEM ecosystem all over the state with local STEM hubs uh, in each county. And they're bringing together people from industry, education, nonprofit, local government, uh, really getting everybody in the community, you know, students, families connected together in conversations together around STEM. And just having everybody in the same room and saying, you know, we can have a a teacher talking about the, the work that they're doing in the classroom And maybe they need a mentor or they need a speaker. And oh, look across the table is somebody who would be perfect for that or a student who can, you know, help develop those opportunities. I think just getting involved in your local ecosystem, getting involved in your local STEM hub or in a working group on topics like STEM workforce or uh, diversity, equity and inclusion in STEM. Those are great opportunities to connect with the people who are trying to make these things happen. Julie, what, what about from your perspective? Yeah, um, something that just came up was um, I've been attending 
it's called WISE here. It's like Women in Science and Engineering at the U of A chapter, I guess. And so I've been going there. And then they recently this week invited me to this big conference that they're having end of September. And so it'll be really exciting to have a table and and show those women the things that we're doing here at Freefall. And the topics and speakers sound amazing. So I'm sure I'll learn plenty as well. So just things like that from me sort of volunteering in the community, people start reaching then out to me and um, inviting me to other opportunities and stuff. So it doesn't take a whole lot of work and, and you probably can't say yes to everything, but, um, but I have no regrets when I do um, participate in something. I always walk away feeling really inspired and excited. So that's a, your thought from a school perspective. I think kind of it's a marriage of, of both of those thoughts. I, I will say lean in and be a part of the Arizona Tech Council and SciTech Council because those are organizations that already have the avenues and infrastructure to be able to have that outreach and have those connections. And, and it kind of goes back to what we said before or what we were talking about before. What are some barriers or what are some challenges? Well, it's it's the staying in, in a bit of a rhythm around it and staying in the conversation. This leaves me, this conversation in and of itself just leaves me so energized with the possibilities and opportunities that we have in front of us. How do we make sure that we wrap back around and we have this conversation and deepen it and, and, and continue to grow and develop these opportunities for our children? And, and it, it's going to take us leaning in and being a part of it together because we are the solution together. Thank you. Yeah. How about our everyday Arizonans? Let's end with that as our last question. How do we encourage them in, to get involved in supporting STEM education? I'd say one great way, especially if you're new to the STEM community, would be to join us at STEM Innovation Summit on September 27th at Arizona Science Center. We're going to have all sorts of panels, speakers, live STEM demos, uh, exhibitors. There's going to be a lot to check out. And if it's kind of your first introduction to the STEM community. It's a great way to see what's going on here. You'd almost think that I teed that up. I didn't. <laughs> not, on, not on purpose, but that was on purpose. <laughs> Julie and Betsy, Steve, even. Any other thoughts around, you know, again, just our general, our general community? I think one thing that gets missed, and we had, when we first started, Steve will remember this, when we first started talking to people in our community around STEM, and, and we'd go to the local cupcake store, and they're like, oh, we don't do STEM. And it's like, oh, you do STEM. Let's mm -hmm. talk about it. So recognizing where our own entry points and where our own lives are surrounded by STEM and how do we how do we elevate that and how do we provide opportunities for everyone else to, you know, and in this case, our children to be able to see that they haven't, they already are living it and how do we elevate it? Yeah, baking, right? It's, mm -hmm. You can teach convection and radiation. You can talk chemistry. There's there's science in everything, by the way. Yeah, so, one of my favorite STEM activities. STEM, yeah, there you go. I like the eating part of it. <laughs> Me too. Julie, anything, any final thoughts on that? I feel like we covered quite a lot in an hour today. And I, I feel like the main thing is being like action, like just yes. do some kind of action and it'll help our community here in Arizona. So I, I would just say that we've talked about a whole bunch of things like the science balls. We talked about SARSEF and ASEF. All of those activities require judges and they require, and you don't have to be a scientist uh, to be a judge, right? But it's always hard to recruit the people that you're looking for to support those kinds of events. So, 
you know, reach out to the local organization that uh, you think you might be able to volunteer with. Be a judge, be a volunteer, be around these kids. It's it's so much fun. I guarantee you, it'll leave a lifetime impression on you. So that would be my recommendation. Love it. Well, I don't know if it was Julie or Betsy who just mentioned it, but it has been a full packed hour. Uh, we certainly could go even longer. We want to thank each of you for spending your afternoon with us and having such a rich conversation. But again, our listeners will get to have a lot of takeaways. And it's fascinating that Betsy lives this every day. And you're like, you know, this conversation is holding me accountable. <laughs> and I'm even more excited, ready to keep, keep this moving forward. And I know that all of us feel the same. So hopefully our listeners are getting that as well. We want to thank you uh, again, our speakers, for sharing your expertise and your time today. You've been listening to AZ TechCast brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Today's AZ TechCast was also brought to you by Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined approach to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. And many thanks as well to JDH Insights, the 2022 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to learn more about opportunities to further position yourself as a tech expert, influencer, or innovator. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.